Our final episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel. Email them today at communicorweekly at fairygodmothertravel.com to book your dream Disney vacation. And a big thank you to Teresa Corey for all the work that she's done for us over the years and for all our vacations, and for being the greatest sponsor for the greatest online show. Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to our supersized final episode extravaganza. You know, for... We did. We were doing some math before, which you guys know we're not very good at. Uh, not, not at all. all. <laughs> not at all. Um, but we came up with with the with the roundabout correct number, and that is uh, we've since provided you all with over a hundred and fifty hours of content, which to us means over one hundred and fifty hours of snark. Which yes. how can you go wrong? Pure, unadulterated. Enthusiastic snark. Nonetheless, uh, yeah. we've always been very enthusiastic about uh, our snark. Of course, of course. That's of the course. best thing about us. Always there. But yeah, it's five years. Hard to believe we look back at this and created something this amazing. Save the darkest timeline. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wow, we've done so much. A lot of unbelievable things have happened within <laughs> the last five years, and it's it's crazy. It's been crazy. Yes, it but, is. But uh, we do have a pretty uh, full show for everyone, so uh, we should we, we should save the, the the goodbye stuff for the end of the show. So Aww. in the meantime, let's uh, let's <laughs> jump into the history segment. It's time for the history. So when we started the show five years ago, we were uh, strictly a Disney-only podcast. And of course, you know, over the years, we explored the history of other places as well. However, in all that time, we never really did a true history on the man that started it all for, for both of us, uh, Mr. Walter Elias Disney himself. So, for our final history segment, uh, we're going to take a look at the man who has created joy for so many people in his lifetime, and for many lifetimes to come. And many of the things we're going to mention have been covered already on Community Weekly in some way, shape, or form. So, of course, you're welcome to go back and re-listen to all of them to refresh your memory. Walter Elias Disney was born in Chicago, Illinois on December 5th, 1901. The fourth Elias, uh, the fourth of Elias and Flora's five children. Little Walt was named in honor of his father's friend, Minister Walter Parr. The Disney home where Walt was born, designed by his mother and built by his father, stood at the corner of Tripp Avenue and Palmer Street. The house is still there and is undergoing extensive renovations to keep this piece of history alive. In December, the town renamed Trip Avenue to Disney Family Avenue for several blocks in order to honor the home. So, in 1906, Walt and his family moved to Marceline, Missouri. This Midwestern town provided Walt with countless treasured childhood memories. And, you know, whether it was helping out on the farm or sketching his neighbor's horse for a nickel, the Marceline years were a magical time for this young boy. And years later, Walt would uh, famously remark, quote, To tell the truth, 
more things of importance happened to me in Marceline than have happened since, or likely to in the future." End quote. So Walt would always have ties back to Marceline throughout the rest of his life, whether through honoring it on Main Street USA, or even visiting it several times. But nowadays, you can uh, visit the Walt Disney Hometown Museum in Marceline to, more, to learn more about Walt's time there, and even visit his dreaming tree and the barn. And if you do, you, know, you have to be, be on the lookout for the Communicore Weekly markings that I left behind years <laughs> ago. So the Disney family left Marceline in 1911 and settled in Kansas City, Missouri. For Walt, bidding farewell to his beloved adopted hometown proved most difficult. But Elias had fallen ill and could no longer physically withstand the rigorous workload of farming. Walt long remembered that sad day that he and his older brother Roy walked through the bitter winter cold, putting up signs advertising the auction of his family's farm. Although his time in the small town was short, Walt Disney obviously carried the spirit of Marceline with him for the rest of his days. His new life in Kansas City, meanwhile, taught Walt the value of prodigious work ethics. He worked a paper route for his father each morning and evening, and somehow still managed to squeeze school in between. Rain or shine, Walt and his newspapers were a common sight on the streets of Kansas City. It was also during this time that the young Disney first caught the acting bug, performing skits with his close friend, Walt Pfeiffer, at nearby theaters. In 1918, Walt joined the Red Cross American Ambulance Corps during the final days of World War I. So when his father refused to grant permission, Walt instead convinced his mother to sign the necessary uh, induction forms. But unknown to her, Walt who was too young for the service, changed his birth year to 1900 after she had already signed so he can get in. However, before his unit even arrived in Europe, the Great War had ended. But Walt still spent almost a year in France transporting military personnel and supplies around the country. And Walt actually had little contact with the ill and injured when he was there, but instead he became, and as he would for the rest of his life, he became this accomplished tour guide much in demand by all the visiting officials. But during his frequent downtime, he can almost always be found drawing and sketching. And by the time he returned stateside, Walt had discovered his life's talent and passion, art. Back in Kansas City, by the way of Chicago, in late 1919, Walt sought a career in commercial art and eventually joined the Kansas City Film Ad Company. Working with UB Iwerks, he managed to save up enough money to purchase a motion picture camera. Having his own equipment meant that Walt could begin producing his own animated projects during his free time. And so, in 1922, the Laughagram Studio was formed. Led by Walt, this new endeavor produced six animated, modernized versions of classic fairy tales. Those six, though, could not keep Laughagram out of financial distress. As the studio floundered, Walt began work on a project that would eventually be his salvation, Alice's Wonderland. This entirely new type of animated short featured a live-action girl transported into an animated world. The studio finished Alice's Wonderland shortly before shutting its doors for good. With his fortunes fleeting in the Midwest, Walt's gaze turned westward. So Walt was quoted as saying, quote, I packed all my worldly goods, a pair of trousers, a checkered coat, and a lot of drawing materials, and the last of the fairy tale reels we had made, and in a kind of frayed cardboard suitcase. And with that youth, wonderful audacity of youth, I went to Hollywood arriving there with just $40, end quote. So once he was out there and kind of settled in, Walt and Roy uh, jointly created the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio in Hollywood on October 16, 1923. Having joined Roy in California, where Roy had been recuperating after a battle with tuberculosis, Walt wasted no time in drumming up work for his fledgling operation. 
So he sent up a print of Alice's Wonderland to a New York distributor and quickly reached an agreement to expand the concept into a series known as the Alice Comedies. So the brothers, along with a skeleton staff, set up shop in their uncle's garage on Kingswell Avenue. One of the studio's first employees uh, was Lillian Bounds. And born Lillian Marie Bounds in Spalding, Idaho, she grew up in Lapwall, Idaho, on the Nez Prince Indian Reservation, where her father worked as a blacksmith and federal marshal. She was working at the Disney studio in the ink and paint as a secretary when she met Walt. Lillian and Walt Disney married on July 13, 1925, in Idaho, at Lewiston's Episcopal Church of the Nativity. However, Walt's parents could not attend. As Lillian's own father was deceased, her uncle, who was the chief of the Lewiston Fire Department, gave the bride away. She wore a dress, which she said she had made herself. The renamed and growing Walt Disney Studio moved out of the King, uh, Kingswell Avenue place and into a much larger studio on Hyperion Avenue in 1926. What began as a modest three-room plan would flourish over the years into multiple buildings and a soundstage. The tight quarters and uh, the, uh, the corridor culture of Hyperion helped foster this uh, collaborative spirit amongst the close-knit staff. But in uh, 1928, Walt and Lily traveled to New York City to meet with the studio's distributor to discuss a new business deal. So, created a year earlier, the Oswald the Lucky Rabbit animated shorts had proved uh, popular at the box office, and Walt hoped a new contract, and of course a raise, would just be a formality at that point. But to his horror, he learned that not only would there be no raise, but the distributor was prepared to move forward without Walt altogether. So if Disney did not accept the reduced terms, Oswald would be taken away. And to make matters even worse, almost all of his animation staff had agreed to leave him as well. So, Walt would not be bullied, so he and Lily uh, board the train uh, back to Los Angeles, kind of with uh, dashed spirits. And as the story goes, en route home, Walt worked feverishly to create a new character to replace the stolen Oswald, and ultimately settled in a charming yet mischievous mouse. On November 18, 1928, Steamboat Willie and Mickey Mouse debuted at the Colony Theater in New York City. With an anxious Walt pacing at the back of the theater, filmgoers were captivated captivated by the intrepid little mouse. This was the first animated production to feature synchronized sound that attracted widespread popularity, and the first to actually work correctly. Though Max Fleischer had started doing it in 1924, his kept going out of sync. But Steamboat Willie was so good that it ignited a rousing standing ovation at its conclusion. And although Playing Crazy and Galloping Gaucho were actually produced first, Steamboat Willie was Mickey's first bow before the public and will always hold a very special place in animation history. Following the success of the Mickey Art cartoons, on August 22, 1929, the Sibley Symphonies were born with the spine-tingling release of the Skeleton Dance. Unlike the gags and hijinks uh, a characteristic of Mickey Mouse productions, these symphonic sorts, uh, shorts married animation and music in a way that was never seen or heard before. The series would go on to release 75 animated films, all produced by Walt Disney Productions from 1929 to 1939. Now, the series is notable for its innovation with Technicolor and the multiplane motion picture camera, as well as its introduction of the character Donald Duck making his first appearance in the cartoon The Wise Little Hen in 1934. And the series also won the Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film seven times. And speaking of which, on May 27, 1933, the Disney Studio released its biggest hit to date, The Three Little Pigs. 
Premiering at New York City's Radio City Music Hall, The Short was an unprecedented success. In particular, the song, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, became a rallying cry during the Great Depression, as the resiliency and creativity of the titular pigs struck a chord with the troubled American populace. The Three Little Pigs deservedly won an Academy Award for the Best Animated Short in 1934. On December 18, 1933, Diane Marie Disney, Walt and Lillian's first child, was born. After years of heartache from several failed pregnancies, the couple had a gorgeous, healthy baby girl to call their own. And another baby of Walt's was soon to be conceived. In 1934, Walt invited all of his animators to stay late at the studio for a special announcement. So each of the artists was given 50 cents to go out and to have a nice dinner before reconvening at the soundstage that evening. So once everyone had settled back into their seats, Walt revealed his plan to create the first animated feature film. And he basically acted out the entire story of Snow White, complete with different voices for all the characters, as he brought his plans to life for the animation staff. In the midst of working on Snow White, Walt and Lillian were trying to have another baby. However, more complications arose. Unwilling to risk any more dangerous pregnancies, Walt and Lily turned to adoption. On December 21st, 1936, baby Sharon was born. She officially joined her new family a few weeks later. With Sharon May's arrival, the Disney family was finally complete. And on December 21st, 1937, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs premiered at Hollywood's Carthay Circle Theater. Dubbed Disney's Folly by a skeptical press, the film's success would instead forever change the course of animation history. Walt had bet on the power of character animation, imbuing each character with its own unique personality, and it handsomely paid off. Snow White earned more than $8 million in its first five years, more than enough to recoup its nearly $1.5 million budget. The film also kicked off an amazing run by the studio with Pinocchio, Fantasia, Bambi, and Dumbo, which is widely considered a golden age for the studio's animation productions. But problems, unfortunately, were just around the corner. On May 28, 1941, Walt Disney arrived at a studio to find more than 300 of his animators wielding picket signs and making this one of the saddest days of his life. In what would become a terrible labor confrontation between the studio and the Screen Cartoonist Guild, this, anima this animator strike uh, this happened over wage inequality, creative differences, and layoffs. The strike unfortunately lasted for five weeks before being settled through mediation. During this time, though, Walt was recruited by the U.S. government for a trip during the summer of 1941. And so Walt and an assortment of studio artists, collectively referred to as Gru El Grupo, embarked on a 10-week tour of South America. Commissioned by the United States Department, uh, the United States State Department to foster goodwill between the uh, continental neighbors of ours, this trip also provided a creative inspiration to Saludos Amigos and, of course, the Three Caballeros. In 1948, Walt and animator Ward Kimball attended the Chicago Railroad Fair. The two train enthusiasts were awed by the marvelous exhibits, period-specific decorations, and nightly firework displays. Only a few days after returning home to Burbank, an inspired Walt began drawing up the first plans for an entirely new type of amusement park. A few years later, during the weekend of September 23rd to the 24th in 1953, Walt asked former studio artist Herb Ryman to help him create conceptual artwork for Disney, Disneyland. 
the pair holed up in Walt's office for the weekend, meticulously bringing his Disneyland vision to life on paper. Besides offering a fascinating glimpse at the development of Disneyland, these renderings help the studio show potential investors exactly what Walt had in mind for his proposed park. So to help foster this new theme park, Disney teamed up with ABC to help pay for it. On October 27, 1954, the premiere episode of the studio's new weekly television program, appropriately named Disneyland, aired. Now, during uh, designed to both rally investment in the park and introduce the Disneyland concept to nationwide artists, audiences, this weekly show was an immediate ratings hit. Uh, on July 13, 1955, just days before Disneyland's grand opening, Walt and Lillian celebrated their 30th wedding anniversary with a special party at Disneyland. The Disneys and their invited guests enjoyed the maiden voyage of the Mark Twain Riverboat, followed by a uh, buffet dinner, dinner show at the Golden Horseshoe Review. And it really was a truly magical evening for a special Hollywood couple. But then the time finally came. On July 17, 1955, Disneyland officially opened its gates for an invitation-only press preview event televised on ABC. This eagerly anticipated opening, though, got off to a faltering start. Between the thousands of counterfeit admittance tickets, the soaring heat, and the broken-down attractions, Disneyland's debut was a colossal disappointment, and it was broadcast nationwide on the Dateline Disneyland special. Though it was a less-than-magical first day, the park quickly rebounded and ultimately proved to be Walt's greatest accomplishment to date. Though Disneyland, of course, was not Walt's only major accomplishment. Uh, in 1960, Walt was, uh, he also chaired the pageantry committee for the 1960 Winter Olympics in Squaw Valley, California. And tasked with planning the opening and closing ceremonies for the Games, Walt recruited a strong committee from his studio staff and celebrity friends and brought a little Disney magic to the Winter Games. Following that up, the Disney studio, led by the intrepid Im Imagineers of Wed Enterprises, created four attractions for the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. Subsidized by the corporate sponsors of each pavilion, Disney's contributions to the World's Fair were a testament to the creativity and technological expertise of the studio. Whether it was It's a Small World for Pepsi-Cola and UNICEF, The Magic Skyway for Ford, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln for the state of Illinois, or Progress Land for General Electric, the Disney-created exhibits were the undeniable stars of the show. On August 27, 1964, Mary Poppins premiered at the famous Grauman's Chinese Theater. Now, this film marked the culmination of Walt's career to date. It had a heartwarming story, a luscious animation, and cutting-edge techniques to combine live-action footage with hand-drawn scenery and characters. Mary Poppins also represented one of the studio's greatest commercial successes. In its lifetime, Mary Poppins has earned more, more than $100 million, as well as the hearts of audiences everywhere. So, not content with just one theme park, Walt Disney, sit, uh, sitting between his brother Roy and Florida Governor Hayden Burns, officially announced his plan to bring Disneyland, uh, a Disneyland-style park to the Sunshine State on November 15, 1965. And although he had been clandestinely searching Florida as a potential site for his next project for years, Walt's hand was forced when Orlando Sentinel reporter Emily Bavar published an article in October speculating that Disney was the mystery, mysterious company who had been buying vast tracts of land all over central Florida. The secret was out. Walt Disney was coming to Florida. 
On October 27, 1966, Walt filmed a special video to air on local Florida television stations, explaining his plans for this so-called Florida project. Now, while most had assumed he would merely build a replica of Disneyland for the East Coast, Walt had much more in mind. His dream was to make Epcot, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, the centerpiece of the Florida park. On video, he detailed the many ways the city of the future would revolutionize modern life. Even today, this video inspires children to create new things and go on to get these amazing technological jobs. <laughs> so, however, before Walt could see his dream to fruition, Walt checked into St. Joseph's Hospital in Los Angeles in November 1966 for what was thought to be a recurrence of an old polo injury. However, he was instead diagnosed with lung cancer. Walt passed away on December 15, 1966. When news of Walt's passing became public, condol uh, condolences poured in from around the globe. His work had touched and inspired so many people and made life richer for us all. The entire world mourned. But even still, all these years later, Walt's life continues to inspire and teach others. I mean, who would have thought that this kid born in Chicago would basically change the world forever? So thank you, Uncle Walt, for everything you've done and for making the world a much, much better place. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's Book of the Week. So for this week's book, the final book, I wanted to take a, a look at something special. When out of nowhere, this book just appeared in the mail, and I knew we had to review it. We've reviewed one other book by this author before, and it was spectacular, and I knew this one would be as well. And I'm talking about... The going to California, well, going to Disney California adventure guidebook by Shannon Lasky. And this is another one by Orchard Hill Press. And if you guys remember from previous shows where we talked about her going to Disneyland guide, as well as all the illustrations and layout she did for drinking at Disney, I knew that this would be a spectacular book. And it is. It really, you know, showed me Disney California in a light I hadn't really seen it before which was kind of neat yeah and, yeah uh, if, just to interject yeah. i mean i just have to say right off the bat shannon is immensely talented i mean yes. you could tell that from her first book uh from the 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 drinking guide that she helps illustrate and then you know this book her going to guide series is incredible and i personally i hope it lasts for a very long time because I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, of California Adventure. I know people mm -hmm. don't like the park as much, but I think she did a wonderful job at showcasing it and really showing it in new light, especially for young kids who are going to come into the park and see it for the first time. And I, it's just a gorgeous book. It's a gorgeous and wonderful book. Yeah, so it, it basically is a travel guide or a tour guide book. You know, nothing special there, but it's how Shannon treats the material and her own special touches, not only in the illustrations, but in her writing. Uh, she's got a great sense of humor, and she peppers it, and, and it really is written for kids, but I think anybody's going to enjoy it. And the book is very interactive. There are spots you can color. There are trivia questions. There are games you can play while you are in line. Uh, of course, uh, it's broken down sort of section by section, land by land, and then attraction by attraction. She gives you a little bit of history, tells you what might have been there before, and, and then gives you an idea of who's going to enjoy the attraction or the restaurant, for that matter. And 
the illustrations are wonderful, and I have to hand it to Shannon. She really has just done an amazing job with everything she's touched, especially the latest going to guide. And I know she's talking about maybe hitting the East Coast, so I think that'll be oh, exciting. I, hope so. to, I to certainly see some hope of those. so because I mean that that would be incredible. She's she's done a wonderful job with, with this series so far. I would love to see it continue for the East Coast parks. Definitely, um, definitely. But it's it's a wonderful travel guide. Goes as a great companion to the going to guide for Disneyland itself. And whenever you order something, she does send you out a cool little packet and uh, gives you. Oh, when a, you order from her from yeah, her from, directly. from her directly, yeah. When yes. you order from her directly, with, which is awesome. Yeah, there's a bookmark. There's a membership card. Like I wonder where she got that idea from. <laughs> And uh, so it, it's it's a wonderful book. It's so colorful. It's so exciting. It's so alive. And it just really shows you the direction that something that you would think as boring as a travel guide could be, this really blows everything out of the water. And I really love it. Adults, children, Disney fans, fans of art, everyone should. I'm, I'm gushing over this book. I really you am. You are. You are. I really am. It's wonderful. It's, it's a wonderful book. And the last handful of pages uh, gives you journal entries and for each ride it asks you whether you liked it or didn't like it would you recommend it so it's a spectacular way to take this book on a trip fill it out and you've got a one of a kind memory you really do so that means every time you go to Disneyland Jeff you've got to get a new one right I know it's I mean it could become an expensive habit but I mean let's face it the book is gorgeous it's worth it, is. It. it is it's worth it definitely so Run out and grab a copy. I really suggest you visit uh, Shannon's website. And, uh-oh, I knew I had this memorized. Did and you? And I'm really, trying George? to look to see. Oh, yeah, goingtoguides.com. Duh. Yes. Goingtoguides.com. And she actually sends you out a little bit of extra magic as well. And this week's book, Going to Disney California Adventure by Shannon Lasky. Sometimes it's a one. Sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break. On the Disney Dream, one of the fabulous cruise ships from the Disney Cruise Line, there are many, many bathrooms on board. Mostly because with almost 4,000 guests on board, you kind of need them. So, aside from having one in every single stateroom, because of course, you need to, there are two really good ones that I found on the Community Cruise. So, the first one up is they are mostly for the sheer oddity of it. Um, over by the District Lounge, the adult-only section with the bars and the nightclubs, there are some really strange ones. So, located on the starboard uh, side of the ship, you do walk through these normal, you know, normal doors to get to them, but then you're, meet you're greeted by these odd cylinder-shaped mini-rooms inside this bathroom. It's almost like a weird sci-fi movie, and that you have to open the circle-like door to get in. It's like, it it it's on a track, and it rounds, I don't know, it's really weird to describe. But they're like mini apartments in there, and I guess, you know, they kind of fit in with the district's trendy look. Very odd, and sometimes very hard to close and lock the door. The, uh, the second one is mostly here for privacy. So when you're eating breakfast or lunch at Cabana's, you know, the buffet-style restaurant, the only real bathroom they provide is the ones that are right by the pool. And if you don't want to wait in line or, you know, get soaked from all the kids running around, that could obviously be a problem. But here's a secret one for you guys. If you head toward the middle of Cabana's, you'll find a stairwell. And if you head up two flights of stairs or take the elevator if you're lazy, you'll be on deck 13. This small little area contains a private men and private women's bathroom uh, with access to get outside onto Deck 13. But no one ever comes to this area, so it's like it's, all, it's only there for you. It's, it's pretty, pretty nice. And, you know, just for reference, yes, both of these bathrooms, much like the entirety of the ship, is all about flushing on your own terms out at sea. I'm scared, jumping, scared. 
So instead of doing a full-on trip report for the Communa Cruise, instead I just wanted to play something that happened during the Communa Cruise. On the very last night we went to Disney Karaoke and myself and Cadet Jacob uh, had a rendition of Prince Ali from Aladdin. So instead of the full trip report, because it was pretty much awesome and there was uh, it was an amazing time, but in just enjoyed this little tidbit for the final episode. And thanks Jacob for allowing me to play it. It's awesome. This week's window comes from Disneyland, and it reads, ABC, ABC Typing, Acme Business College, ABC Shorthand. 
So obviously ABC is the television network, and it invested $500,000 in Disneyland and promised $4.5 million in loans. And in exchange, they became one-third owners of the park and gained exclusive rights to broadcast the new Disneyland television series, produced and often hosted by Walt Disney. By 1960, uh, Walt had bought back all of ABC's shares in Disneyland for $7.5 million, cutting all ties with them. However, in 1995, the Walt Disney Company bought ABC for $19 billion. You don't know what you know till we know you. You just don't know. Here's one little fact we bet you didn't. One little fact we bet you didn't know. So this one little fact is all about ourselves, because really, what else matters? But, <laughs> right. Exactly. With over 260 episodes to our credit, and I'm including the one that Jeff sang by himself the very first time. Oh, jeez. <clears throat> our, yeah, our theme song has been listened to almost 8 million times, which is just crazy. And that doesn't include all the times that LCs redownload our episodes like 15 or 20 times each. Uh, yeah, now now we know you. Newsflash! We can't wait to tell you! The last few months, we have been asking you guys to give us a call on the GOAT line and give us a proper send-off. Thanks to everyone who called in and left us some love. You guys are awesome. Yeah, we literally got just over two hours in voicemails. Um, we obviously can't play all of them. Could be a really long show. <laughs> but trust me, I wish we could. But here are a few that came in. Gentlemen, it's Communicore Cadet Jacob calling to wish you a happy farewell. I waited to the last minute on this because I was afraid I would ramble on one, and I do not want to face it that this is the end of Communicore Weekly, the show. You guys have done such a great job, so thorough, thorough, so entertaining. The five-legged goats, the sweet music. Captain Leo's my favorite song, by the way. Oh, speaking of songs, Jeff, if you want to play the Owl City song from Wreck-It Ralph under this, because we danced to it the last night, all of us collectively on the Communa Cruise, you guys, that was so amazing. Um, such a fantastic way to see you off and wonderful to hang with everyone. Uh, again, thank you so much, guys. Good luck to both of you, and um, I can't wait to see what you have in store next. All right, take care. Hey, George and Jeff, I love the show. I have been listening since day one, so congratulations now on your fifth show. Anyway, thanks for the show. Love it. Love listening to you guys. Bye. Hey, guys, it's Jenny from Chattanooga. Just wanted to say congrats on an amazing run for making such amazing content to put out there. I'm very proud to have met both of you, and just want to say congrats on being so awesome. Love you guys. Yo, Jeff and George, it's Jalen, one of your biggest fans. I can't believe that y'all are in this show. Like, bruh, it, it's gotten me through high school, and I thought it was going to get me through college, but I guess y'all are in it before then. I always listen to it when I'm about to study. I'm always listening to it on the go. I'm always watching it. it it's just been great watching y'all. Y'all are, y'all are theme park guys, and, and it's just, it, it, it's badass. Hi, George and Jeff. This is a very difficult call to make. We wish you both a happy retirement, but we're really going to miss your witty banter and well-researched history reports. 
We're hoping all the best for you guys in the future and hope to run into you in the park. Come and listen to a podcast about Communicore. One nerd's name is Jeff and the other's name is George. Then one day I found him while surfing on iTunes, talking boats to Bob around a Disney lagoon. Five-legged goats, that is. Books of the week. Hey, George and Jeff. Just wanted to thank you guys for all you have done with the show. Uh, I have to say this show is responsible for leading me down the rabbit hole that is Disney Podcasts. So really, I only have you guys to blame for it. But uh, seriously, thank you for providing a great show through all the years. Wish you guys the best in the future and hope to hear from you again soon on a future podcast of some sort or maybe even run into you guys at the parks. Thanks. Have a good one. This is uh, Communicore Cadet Jeff calling from the Britain Pavilion phone booths, uh, wishing that there was still some impromptu Britain Pavilion trivia. Here we are and wishing you a great show. Thanks for all the great episodes and uh, see you in the future. Hello? Hello? Is this thing on? Hello? Communicore Cadet Russ here calling about this rumor about you guys quitting. I just learned it's not a rumor. What is the deal with that? If you guys quit, I'm going to hold my breath. Here I go. (gasps) Oh, for heaven's sakes. Hi, guys. This is Russell calling to thank you for five great years of entertainment and wishing you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Thanks again. Now stop holding your breath. (laughs) Gotta go. Hi, guys. This is Anna East, one of your longtime listeners. I remember finding you guys years and years ago when I was uh, probably procrastinating from stuff in college. You guys are silly and fun, and I like silly and fun. I don't know, it just fit. I liked all your stories and all your history. I specifically liked the history segments. But I think you guys, for always being there and being my in-car entertainment in the mornings. Uh, I just want to say that I um, really like your show, and uh, I listen all the time, and I don't want it to end, but uh, I guess it has to end so that it could be the final one, but... The final one sometimes doesn't mean that it's over because, like, sometimes there's a reboot or you can, like, start over. So if the Communicore Weekly could start over and not be the final one, then there wouldn't have to be the final one, but you could still have the final one. Okay. Hey, how's it going, guys? So normally I'm a total goofball, but I just wanted to say congratulations on a sweet run. I thoroughly enjoyed the show, and I am very thankful for the wild relationship that I have with Master Heimbuck. And, um... Yeah, wishing you guys the best in your future projects uh, with me. And, yeah, have a good day. Once again, this is uh, Ross. And uh, smooches to both of you. Hey, guys, it's Colby. Just wanted to make a quick call and say congrats on five years of Communicore Weekly. Thank you guys so much for all the hard work you guys do on the show. And you guys have taught me so much about Disney animation and the whole theme park industry. And it's been great being able to meet so many people, and I can't wait to hang out with you guys soon. And congrats on five years. Hey, Jeff and George. It's Cadet Scarlet. Just wanted to say, started out listening pretty much from the beginning. Luck would have it. I already had a trip planned for Disney World when you guys announced your live show, and I was able to get tickets. So it was great meeting you guys in the Norway Pavilion. Then being able to go on the Communitour um, with Adventures by Disney was an absolutely amazing trip and getting to meet other cadets was awesome and now as i sit here on my balcony at animal kingdom lodge wearing mouse ears ending my whirlwind trip on the commuter cruise i just wanted to say thank you guys for doing your show for as long as you did 
great wealth of information. It was awesome hanging out with other cadets and meeting Dr. Scott, inventor of the Swan Boat Time Machine. So, um, as a final thing, I just wanted to say, Animal Kingdom Park, full day. Hi, Jeff and George. This is James and Matthew. We are your uh, cadets up in San Francisco, and we've been fans of the show since it started. And I just wanted to make sure to let you guys know how much we've appreciated um, listening to you guys every week. We watch you guys uh, on our YouTube video on our TV with all of our Disney videos each week, and it's kind of a ritual for us. And we're definitely going to miss spending time with you guys each week and, and laughing alongside with you guys and all the inside jokes. I don't think we'll ever be able to be in a Disney park and have to go to the bathroom without taking a bathroom break and make it, and singing that song or finding five-legged goats without thinking about you guys. So just thanks so much, and it's been really wonderful getting to know you guys over the years, and um, it's definitely going to be, we're definitely going to miss you, but look forward to hearing from you guys in the future and hearing more great things from you. I'm sure there'll be a lot more. Take care. And Hi, Jeff and George. This is Emily from Palm Harbor, Florida. I just wanted to say I've listened to all of your episodes, and you guys have made my week every week. Um, I love the show, and you guys have done a great job. But, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for everything that you've done, and I love your show, um, and it's been a great run. What is up, guys? It is your boy, El Raptoroni, here. just wanted to call to give you guys a proper send-off. Thank you for all of the joyous experiences you've put up on your podcast. I'm glad I was able to be a part of it when we did the D23 video or video and the podcast. Take it easy, George. Take it easy, Jeff. Love you guys and best of luck to your future endeavors. Later. I will miss you, Communicore Weekly. Love, Cash and Leo. Hey guys, it's Alice from Utah. I just wanted to call and say thanks so much for your podcast. It actually was my very first podcast that I listened to. And I learned so much from you guys. I just just want to say thank you so much for all that you guys have done. It showed me that there were other people who loved Disney as much as I do, who love Halloween and haunts and theme parks as much as I do. And thanks so much for you know entertaining me week after week. Sad to see it go, but I'm really excited for what you guys are going to do in the future. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hey, Jeff and George. It's Crystal, and I just wanted to say that thanks for all the fun years of Communicor Weekly. I've always enjoyed them, and I'm going to miss hearing your voices every week. Um, and I just that's it. Okay. Take care, you guys. Bye. Hi guys, it's Arielle. Thank you for five seasons of Communicore Weekly. I would really miss the show. Also, thank you for putting together the Communicruise. It was so much fun. I hope there's another Communicore in the future. Bye! Hey, George and Jeff. This is Renee Bailey, cadet number 651. I guess this is the end, and it kind of sucks that you guys are you know, not making any more episodes. I've been listening to you guys for three years, and you guys are way awesome. But I guess all good things must come to an end. So good luck to you both. I'll still read your blogs and check Facebook and Instagram. And Jeff, I do frequent Disneyland a lot, so you and I can ride soaring over, the, soaring over California together if you like. Hope you guys the best of luck. Bye. Hey, guys. This is Silver Screen's James H. Carter the second, And I just wanted to 
thank you for being a friend. Thanks, guys. Hey, Jeff. Hey, George. It's Greg from Cleveland. Just wanted to call in to say thanks for all the great podcasts you guys have made. You made our Monday mornings commute to school and work bearable, so it's not going to be the same without you guys. Thanks for all the great Disney history, finally it goes, and also that awesome two-part Cedar Point series. So good luck in the future and all your adventures. And from Cadet Parker, Cadet Wes, Cadet Greg, thanks for everything. And you're never alone. We love you guys. Hey, y'all. It's Communicore Cadet L here reporting live one last time from Atlanta. Y'all, I can't believe this is the last episode. It's just flown by for me. I'm going to absolutely miss Communicore Weekly being a part of my week. I will absolutely miss laughing every week, being entertained, as well as everything I learned about Disney and beyond. So thank you guys for everything that you have done, all your hard work for everybody that was involved in Communicore Weekly. And especially to George and Jeff, y'all know how much I adore y'all as well as the show. So come on to Atlanta sometime. Let's hang out. Much love to y'all. Bye. Ah, yes. The old grand finale. Hello, George. Hello, Jeff. It's your old pal, Cadet Nick from UNORC, a.k.a. TTA Traveler from Disney Twitter and IRL. Just wanted to call in. Hopefully I'm not too late. Say thank you guys for everything you've done. You were the first podcast I ever listened to. And it led to all the wonderful podcasts on the Disney community. And I just want to say thanks for a great show. You will be missed. And good luck in the future. Bye-bye. Hey, George and Jeff. This is longtime listener Nathan Evans calling in, finally. I just wanted to say thank you so much for putting on such a wonderful, quality, and entertaining show for all these years. Um... I've been listening for several years. I actually quit my day job in advertising and ended up going into a themed entertainment design program uh, at Savannah College of Art and Design, and I'm now pursuing my dream of creating experiences like you guys like to uh, talk about. So your show was one of the things that kind of kept me going and kept that dream stoked uh, during those days and commutes when I was driving to and from my ad agency job, which was great, but really wasn't necessarily my passion. So, anyways, just wanted to say thank you so much. Uh, thanks for the passion you poured into this, and it definitely had a real personal impact on me. Thanks, guys. We'll miss you. Bye. Oh, oh, so sad to say goodbye, but you guys have been just swell. Hope you have a great future. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So for this final Five Like a Goat, we're going to take a look at the partner statue, and hopefully you'll learn some interesting new facts about it. So, the partner statue, uh, unveiled in the central hub of Disneyland in 1993, portrays Walt Disney holding hands with Mickey Mouse, looking out toward the future, and was made as part of Mickey Mouse's birthday. And the one in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom uh, debuted a few years later in 1995. So the partner statue was sculpted by Disney legend Blaine Gibson. A former Disney animator and Imagineer, Blaine took uh, one year to create the sculpture and based his depiction of Walt on a bus he originally created in the 1960s. And when considering having Mickey hold Walt's hand, Blaine consulted footage from the film Fantasia in which Mickey shakes the hand of the uh, orchestra conductor. And one of the early sketches of the partner statue featured Mickey holding an ice cream cone in the other hand. But when choosing the expression for Walt's face, Blaine tried to reflect Walt's goal of making people happy. So the statue in expression is Blaine's interpretation of Walt watching happy people enjoy his park. 
And of course, on Walt's tie, there's a small insignia for the Smoke Tree Ranch in Palm Springs, California. Disney had a vacation home there, and had the logo stitched onto many of his ties. And on Walt's right hand, there's a Clado ring in honor of his Irish heritage. Both Walt and his wife Lillian purchased these rings during their trip uh, in 1948 to Ireland and wore them quite often. So lots about that partner statue out there. There's, There's a, lot a lot of details lot. about it. So, And uh, one detail we can't forget are our cadets. Exactly. Not at all. And we've made it to the final year of a million or so limited time cadets prize winner. And this will be, what, like 104th? Of, of them? I think so. Yeah, maybe. because we've done yeah, it for, we two for two years. years. 52 oh, yeah, weeks. Prize so 104 back. prizes sent out, which That's is cool. just incredible. Crazy. We're not going to tell you how to enter because... Because <laughs> that's it. It's done. It's over. Turn out the lights. We're going home. Sorry, kids. Um, all right, so Jeff, take it away. <laughs> okay, so uh, this week's winner is going to receive the final Fairy Godmother Travel <gasps> prize pack. Wow. And the winner is Matt T. from Killeen, Texas. Yay. Congratulations, Matt, on being uh, the final winner of, of the prize pack. We're yeah. really excited. That's pretty. So that means Teresa Corey alone has given out a year's worth of prizes, basically. Yeah, she has. She wow. has. Actually, I think a little bit more. I think she's doubled up sometimes, too. So. That's true. That's true. That's true. Sometimes it was swag or other things. So Exactly. So thanks, wow. Teresa Corey, yet again, for not only sponsoring the show, but also sending all these sweet swag bags. That's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. I'm very, very excited. But uh, I guess that's it. Here we are. Wow. But we're 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 here. And by here I mean the end of the road. <laughs> and by end of the road it's it was a very, very long road that took five years to get down. That's a lot of traffic on that road, if I if I can say so myself. But uh before we close out, we just wanted to spend a few minutes talking about the show and to thank everyone who had been with us along the way on this crazy journey. Yeah, so a little over six years ago, Jeff and I met through an online Disney community, which sounds a lot like a dating service. It does, actually. Oh, that's kind of weird. Okay. So about five years ago, we decided to start this crazy little project together. And I mean, how hard could it be to make a podcast, you know? Little did we know that our little show would turn into a thing and amass loyal cadets listening all over the world. Yeah, I think we were really lucky to come up with this sort of variety show formula where we packed a lot of information into a very tiny amount of time. <laughs> um, yet four segments per episode uh, is a lot of original content mm-hmm. to produce every single week. And uh, on top of that, I think because of the talents of Andrew and Steve, uh, we're, we were lucky to have all this amazing original music to introduce each segment, which... Uh, I think really helped us stand out from the other podcasts out there. So uh, Andy and Steve, of course, we are forever in your debt for that. And thank you for your amazing work. Exactly. You know, after years of just featuring Disney, we branched out to cover all theme parks. Because let's face it, the history behind all of this stuff is just fascinating. And Disney has wonderful stories to tell, but so does every mom and pop amusement park and nationally recognized one. We have expanded our knowledge of these stories and hopefully expanded yours as well. But like we said at the top of the show, after over how many countless hours of entertainment, you know, that's 260 regular episodes, a musical, two successful community tours, live shows, meetups, uh, tons of bonus contents and more, we have come to the end of the show. And through Community Weekly, I know I can speak for both George and myself in saying that we have made tons of new, long-lasting friendships with the listeners. From folks that just started as fans and then became close friends and put our faces on their (laughs) t-shirts, to everyone that has ever said hello to us in the parks, to the people who invite us into their homes and ears every week and listen to us, we remain forever grateful. 
we've always considered ourselves the weird <clears throat> outcasts of the theme park podcast world. And, you know, we're okay with that. Yeah. 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 I don't know when we officially announced that the show was ending. A lot of you were upset, and I, and I totally understand why. I mean, there have been plenty of times when we. I mean, it's been a lot of work. We mm -hmm. want sometimes we wanted to end it sooner, and you know, to get it done every week, week in, week out, not have me missed a week yeah. in five years. I mean, <laughs> even when I had pneumonia, yeah, you, you still put out a show. How many times have we put out a show when, when either one's been sick? I mean, yeah. it's crazy and uh, kind of stressful at times. But uh, you know, for every time we wanted to call it quits for one reason or another, you know, it was weird there was somehow magically a word of kindness and encouragement would come in from one of you guys to pick us up and really get us at it again. And it really does mean a lot to both of us. Um, and for me personally, you know, Community Weekly has led me to meet and become close to many of my childhood idols and let me work with them even. And that was kind of like a dream come true and you know, helped me write some books. And I'm very proud of that fact. Yeah, it, it helped us both grow and mature. And not just as Disney and theme park nerds, but as theme park historians, fans, and many other aspects as well. And we owe a debt of gratitude to everyone who has listened and helped us along the way. Yeah, um, Communicore Weekly and Disney and theme parks have been really a part of our souls. And for, I mean, for me at the very least, uh, my very being for a very, very long time. And I am very proud of what we accomplished with this show and being able to put some kind of weird, quirky spin to theme park history week after week for five years. Um, I think it was really on uh, the Communitors, both of them, um, especially this past one, that I realized just how amazing it was to bring all these strangers together and not just for us to forge friendships with them, but for them to also forge it with each other too. It was like a weird little family that we made with each other. Yeah, so at the end of it all, we just want to say thank you. Yeah, whether you've listened from the beginning or joined up along the way, thank you for all your, your love, your support, your encouragement, your kind words, and, and everything else. And it's meant the world to us, Andy, Steve, Captain Leo, and everyone else who has ever been involved in the show. And of course, even though this show is ending, you know, you're still going to be able to find us all over the internet. You're not going to get rid of us that easily. Yeah. Um, our links to everything that we mentioned at the end of the show, and we're going to say again in a few minutes, um, they're going to continue to live, and they're going to be live pretty much forever. I mean, Communicore Weekly will always be here for you to come back and listen to if you want. You, you just can't get rid of us that easily. Like Ghost Communicore Weekly? Exactly. Ooh, spooky. So, but we'd love for you to follow us in our other pursuits as well. You can find me over at ImagineNerding.com, where I'll be celebrating 10 years next year. Oh, man, that's and unbelievable. I know it is. It's, I'm going to continue my theme park history mission, and we'll do so uh, for as long as I can, for many, Fair. many years. Yes. Yeah. And to, where can they find your – I know you've been doing vlogs oh, and stuff, too, online. Where can they find Yep, that? all at ImagineNerding.com. I post them, and, of course, my YouTube channel, which is – like YouTube.com slash George Taylor Imagineerding because I couldn't get anything smaller. <laughs> Fair but enough. Always Imagineerding. Always yeah. there. That's the magic work. You got it. Um, and as for me, I mean, I hope if you haven't already, I hope you give Return Home, the serialized audio drama I've been doing, a chance. I mean, we've had great success with it so far. I know a couple of your listeners have come over, and that's great. And I think it's a lot of fun to listen to, but I may be biased or whatever. Um, but you can find that on iTunes or at returnhomepodcast.com. Um, and of course, uh, I think jeffheinbuck.com still has like links to like everything I do, including what? all the videos and whatnot. And every once in a while, I promised our buddy James on the Creepy Kingdom podcast that I'd uh, contribute some stuff over there every so open, so you can check that out as well. Yeah, I say I'm going to, but I get too scared. Yeah, I know. It's the word. Just it's the name, the name alone. alone. I get it. I understand. Uh, so, I guess that's about it. That's it. 
That's the end of our snarky <laughs> era. Yeah, so on that note, thanks so much for five years of listening and watching the show. Feel free to rate us on iTunes, leave us comments on the YouTube, and they're going to be up there forever so future cadets mm. can stumble upon them, you know, in the 31st century. <laughs> <laughs> so you can still download, uh, you can still continue, yeah, download them, but you can still continue to email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com and we'll answer. It, it won't be as fast as it is now, we know, because of all the time travel stuff. Exactly. But we will. We promise. <laughs> we promise. Um, and we'll still have the Facebook page. It'll still be up there at facebook.com slash Weekly. It won't be updated, really, but maybe every so often we'll throw something up there and we'll say hello, see how you guys are doing. Yeah, and continue to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, and any other social medias because we both got such unique names that we pretty <laughs> much steal them first. Yes. So please don't steal our usernames. But I'm always usually at Imagine Nerding, and he's pretty much at Jeff Heimbach. Yeah, I stole it from the other Jeff Heimbach that exists out there, and I'm sure he's really mad at me. <laughs> that poor uh, guy. So, but and the goat line is still going to be up there forever too. We just, you know, we'll heal the voicemails, but we just won't really play them. We'll have nowhere to play them anymore. <laughs> but uh, you can you can prank call us if you want. Uh, that's four two four seven eight five four six two eight. Yep. And the community store will still be up, so you can get the Communicore Weekly shirts, all the apparel and music whenever you want to or need to. Just visit the website at Communicore Weekly or visit CommunicoreWeekly.spreadshirt.com. And I'll keep sending out cadet membership cards. I know the mm. show is over, but I still have probably like 100 left or so. You just have to send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. And that will be in existence forever because I use that P.O. Box for everything. <laughs> so for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. This has been Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Can you get the lights? <laughs>